With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, fellow league mates. I am back with a special podcast. The reason this podcast is special for a few reasons. The first, this is the second podcast in a week. Don't get too used to it. It's not going to happen often, but you know, every now and then it'll be appropriate to have an extra podcast. And this podcast is with another person in person. I am joined with Mr. Daniel Weber. What's going on, guys? It's nice to be here. It's nice to be sitting in the same room. Uh, it'll give us a little bit of facial expression atmosphere as we go through and do this. We'll have some a little bit more playful banter because we can feed off of each other a little bit more. But it's nice to be here in person. And more importantly, we won't have Dan's awkward static, which... We are trying to work on figuring out, but it is proving to be an issue. <laughs> hey, 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 man, at the end of the day, the voice quality is a night and day better. It's, it's working there, so we'll see how... Maybe we just have to make this a weekly thing, but we'll, I guess we'll wait for your feedback to figure out what happens. And another perk, since this is being done on a Friday night, we are drinking. Yeah. So t- cheers. Ciao, brother. <laughs> what, a, what a good way to finish the weekend off here. Mm-hmm. So speaking of that, this broadcast is brought to you by Jameson Irish Whiskey. <laughs> for all your drinking pleasure needs. Amen to that. All right. So the reason we we're doing this podcast is this is one that I've definitely got feedback from a lot of people in terms of wanting to see. Um, it's going to be kind of a redraft of the rookie draft. We're just going to do three rounds. Um, we put a pretty decent amount of effort in trying to redraft this. Um, and basically what we're going to do is we're going to alternate. One of us is going to start. We're going to rock, paper, scissors shortly for that. And we're just going to go through who we would take with that pick and kind of talk about that player and why we either like it, why we disagree. You know, there's going to be 36 of these picks, so we're not going to go super in-depth on everyone. So I apologize if you're nerding out over your guy and we only talk about him for about five seconds. Also, you know, this is just Dan and I's opinion. We're, we don't say, or we don't act like we're the right and the be-all end-all. So take everything with kind of a grain of salt. And for what it is, just an enjoyable episode, hopefully. Um, so, anything to add before we jump into this intense rock, paper, scissors battle, Dan? I wish it could be seen on camera here, but I've, I've been prepping for this rock, paper, scissors one to figure out if I'm going to throw rock, paper, or maybe scissors first. So, I guess we'll, we'll see what happens. Alright, so are we going to do rock, paper, scissors, shoot? On shoot. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. shoot. Oh, and paper covers rock for the W. Dan goes first. Dan goes first, and that's going to prove very uh, yeah. vital because... To start things off, we both have a different person as our number one. Yeah, so I my first overall pick, I'm going to take Josh Jacobs running back for the Oakland Raiders. Um, the running back position, as we've seen, has the ability to potentially be eaten into by other people, other players. And Josh Jacobs has proven that he's the man in, in Oakland. I, I think there's a lot of interesting pieces that Josh Jacobs bring to the table. Um, he's very much, as I view it, a Nick Chubb from last year's draft where he takes the workload, he's doing the volume, he's staying, for the most part, healthy, mm-hmm. and he's and he's really carrying the workload of, of this Oakland Raiders team. And in that, in turn, is making all of his teammates better. So for that reason, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take Josh Jacobs number one. 
You know, it's hard to argue with that. I think we would both agree that this is two players have really asserted themselves and yep. assented to just top tier status. I like agree. you can set and forget them like pretty much like they are borderline elite already at their position and they're only through nine or ten games in their season. Yeah. Um with Josh Jacobs, you know, he's a truly is an elite running back. He is getting it done, you know, from day one. He's I think what in the top five in rushing, I believe, in yeah, the league. He's, yep, he's and top five in rushing. Um I want to say all purpose yards, he's probably I, he might be top t- he's definitely top 10 I'm not sure if he breaks top 5 in all purpose yards yep. including receiving but it's he's damn near up there yeah right now he's he's fourth in rushing yards um, that is after yesterday's game he's behind Leonard Fournette Christian McCaffrey and Delvin Cook um, nice company excellent company and he's right ahead of your boy that you just mentioned Nick Chubb the only the only thing that why I didn't have him as my number one um that slightly concerns me is just his lack of receptions. He's not involved in the pass game. And when you look at all the running backs that are ahead of them on the list of, you know, just in terms of their overall production, let's see, in terms of receiving yards, they're getting, um, we're going to, I mean, obviously the list starts with Christian McCaffrey, right? But it doesn't get much too better after that. No, it doesn't. But when we look at, so right now in, in terms of average scoring, uh, Josh Jacobs is, Three, six, nine. He's 13th in scoring. Somewhere right around there. Somewhere right around there. Um, But when you look at everyone that's ahead of him, he is by far the lowest in receiving in receptions. Josh Jacobs has 14 on the year. Everyone ahead of him on the list, all 12 of those running backs right now, has over double the amount of receptions as him. What, 35 looks like it's the... The number thirty three for Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, that's that's massive. where that's where he's got to get a little bit more involved because in the PPR league, you know, that's where we see that Christian McCaffrey's averaging thirty points a game. So I just I, I'm curious if that'll grow for Josh Jacobs and he'll become more involved in the pass game because right now it's um, Jalen Richard um, soaking up kind of the third down and two minute warnings. And yeah, Washington had a couple last night, but you yep. got to figure it's only going to get better with time. And and you look at a guy like. Nick Chubb was being utilized a lot more out of the backfield. Dalvin Cook's getting his more fair mm-hmm. share of receptions. I think just comfortability with being in the NFL and understanding rushing first, blocking second, and then catching the ball only makes you better. Yeah, I think it'll definitely come. Um, all right, so I'm up for number yep. two, and you know he's my number one, but I'll happily take him at number two. I'm going to go with Kyler Murray, quarterback for the um, Arizona Cardinals. He was the number one overall pick in the rookie draft. He was the number one overall pick in the NFL draft, and safe to say he's lived up to expectations as a rookie he right now at this point in time he's got 2200 pass yards only nine pass touchdowns in nine games but also only four interceptions he's got over 300 rush yards and two rushing touchdowns kyle murley is being very efficient he's not turning the ball over which for a rookie is something very impressive actually daniel jones who we're going to talk about i'm sure very quickly uh, is turning the ball over at alarming rate. Kyler Murray is being very efficient with that. Um, unfortunately, the touchdowns aren't there, um, but there's probably going to be some form of positive and negative regression in terms of more more touchdowns, but also maybe some more interceptions. Um, I think this Arizona Cardinals offense, there was a lot of concern about the, the offensive line, and there still is. But I think if you've watched any of the games, and I have because I'm all in on Kyler Murray. I've been all in on him since March. There's a lot of reason for optimism. 
these he's got very exciting wide receivers you know we've seen running backs any of them chase edmonds david johnson and last week Kenyon drake they are producing exceptionally well and kyler murray aids that with his rushing ability so i think kyler, kyler murray at the quarterback position in a super flex league he's already i believe quarterback nine on the season um he's he's elite and he's a rookie he's only played nine games the only you know concern for me is he's a rookie and he's a quarterback yep. um we see it's kind of like in baseball like after you go through the league like once let's see how you do the second time yep. and i'm I think with quarterbacks, the biggest thing that you want to see is how they come back after a season where coaches have an entire offseason game to game plan against and them. You look at a guy like Lamar Jackson last year. He came in towards the end of the season and and ultimately gave Baltimore a run at the playoffs and, and hit in some foul luck there. But, yes, you've got to be super excited with what you're getting. You hope the touchdown production comes up. But I think the, the legs in his running game really make him the difference. And running quarterbacks are gold, um, if not higher than gold. I don't know what, what's north of gold. Diamond? Platinum? <laughs> Platinum, opal, maybe. I mean, anything like this that you can go with. But It just but gives yeah. him such a high floor. It does, and and you hope that as he continues to progress, that he continues to make the better life decisions. That with rushing quarterbacks, you hope they stay healthy, that they don't get too aggressive and turn into a Cam Newton where you're getting banged up and you're the most hit quarterback through the first three, four years of your career. That that has to be partially concerning, but at the oh, yeah. same point in time, if he can stay healthy, I I don't see any fault with him going one or two. No, definitely. I think these two guys, Josh Jacobs and Kyler Murray, Kyle. Kyler Murray, they've really um, cemented themselves as elite and at the top tier of their class. I think um, at number three is where it starts to get interesting. Yeah, I'm going to take Daniel Jones at three. I think, again, in a two-quarterback league, you have to value a little bit of the production that you get from from part of that that format. He's shown times where, I mean, he got the nickname Danny Dimes for a reason. He throws balls, and they look super, super good. Mm-hmm. But at the same point in time, he throws a ball, and it's like, oh, God, what was that? Obviously, playing with Saquon Barkley helps. If New York can get him a couple other wide receiver talents, and Golden Tate's made some great plays. Evan Ingram's been nothing short of what Evan Ingram is when he's healthy. And even Sterling Shepard's taking care of business. I like Daniel Jones at three. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think this is a testament of what you see in the Superflex. Like, quarterbacks are insanely, insanely important. And you need to have that stability because quarterbacks can also last, last like, literally 10 to 15 years. Um, with Daniel Jones, I think he's definitely exceeded kind of the initial expectations that people were expecting from him. Um, he was obviously lambusted and, you know, kind of mocked as a selection. But he's really, I think, given Giants fans a reason for optimism. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the really the only thing that kind of concerns me with him is the turnovers. Daniel Jones, you know, he's lead, he's not leading the league, but he's got... Let's see, at this point, he has a total of eight interceptions, and I can't seem to find the fumbles. But It hasn't been pretty, but his offensive line hasn't done him any pleasures. For... No, he has not. And, you know, rookies go through growing pains, you know, especially quarterbacks. It usually takes a year or two to figure it out. You know, we've been very blessed, I think, with some of the quick or some younger quarterbacks, you know, succeeding much more quicker than, you know, what you would normally see. But um, there's there's bumps in the roads, but Daniel Jones is really, um, you know, you got to be excited if you're Kevin. You got him with the yeah. ninth pick in the rookie draft, and he's by far exceeded, I think, the expectations that anyone would have at that point. Um, yeah, and then I mean, as we move into to pick four here for you, as looking at part of our our cheat sheets and everything, this is where we begin to see part of a discrepancy between the lists where. 
valuing running backs versus wide receivers versus tight ends begins to become more relevant. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, um, you know, the top two were kind of in their own tier. Uh, but after this, I think the next, frankly, you could talk me to the next 10 players. I think yeah. you could put them in any order in that tier. Um, but for me, though, for my number four, I'm going to go with DK Metcalf, wide receiver from Seattle. Um, I mean, going into the draft, if you just kind of talked about the wide receivers on the board, um, he had the high, one of the highest ceilings. He's a big-bodied guy, runs fast as hell, um, limited route tree, but he went to the team that probably has the most prolific deep thrower in the league in Russell Wilson. Yep. It is truly a match made in heaven. Um, a lot of the you know success that we see players have in fantasy football ties back to opportunity, but also situation. And for DK Metcalf, I truthfully don't know if there's a better fit for him than the Seattle offense. Yeah, I, I think the Seattle offense, especially from a wide receiver's perspective, limits your route tree. Russell Wilson gives you the ability to play a little bit more schoolyard ball. But having a guy that can take the top off of a defense only makes this makes it better that way. And this kid's proven that he can, regardless of the situation he's in, he can go up, get a ball, and, and make the most of it happen. Yeah, I, I had DK Metcalf a little bit lower. He was actually, on my board, he was the third wide receiver on it. Um, but again, that's that's where I was was right. Around. I mean, it, you know, again, you're splitting hairs, but right now at this point in time, DK Metcalf is first among rookies in receiving yards, and I believe tied for first with them in touchdowns. You know, those are the two yep. most important stats, and he's doing very well. Yeah. Um, so let's bring it on then to number five on our list. Five. So I I get to pick at five, and I, I'm very. I value running backs a little bit more heavy than than anybody else. So I'm going to put David Montgomery here, um, understanding that the Chicago Bears offense hasn't looked the greatest, but watching him grow week to week gives you hope and faith that this kid's going to continue to be a downhill runner, polarize people between the between the tackles, and just make hay for what he needs to. He loses a little bit more in the passing game, mm-hmm. um, just because you play with a guy with Tariq Cohen. Um, in the backfield, but this kid's proven that he can carry the workload and run downhill, and the more utilization that he gets in the Chicago offense opens up the ball a little bit more for other weapons in that one, but I think it all has to flow through through David Montgomery. Yeah, I mean, Montgomery, he was... We should probably have the actual rookie draft up to see where he went. I believe he went fifth or sixth? Sixth in our rookie draft. So... There were high expectations to begin with. He, I think, maybe he didn't disappoint, but the situation for the Chicago Bears right now, as many of my fellow Bears fans know, it's it's a little ugly. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky is not doing anyone on that offense any favors in the slightest. Um, And when you don't have a quarterback, that really impedes everything, especially the running back. Um, And then combined with the fact the offensive line isn't doing good. So David Montgomery definitely had the cards stacked against him to start things off. But, I mean, look, at the end of the day, he's second in rush yards. He's, I mean, significantly behind Josh Jacobs. But there's definitely, I think, reasons for optimism because the Bears are using him as a workhorse. Yep. He is the guy that they are giving the ball to. It's, you know, we see a lot of, like, split backfields. We see a lot of, you know, split carries. Like, the last few weeks, David Montgomery is the man. Yep. And, again, opportunity and just having that chance is big in fantasy football. And right now, you know, David Montgomery has that. It's it's hard yeah. to argue against this. Volume speaks wonders. Yes, that is a much better word than what I was trying to say. No, So you're, what, six now? I'm up at six. 
And that means I'm going to go with another wide receiver, yeah. of course. And I'm going to go with Terry McLaren. Um, McLaren literally got on fire. If we would have done this draft probably three or four weeks ago, there's a chance he might have been in the top two. Easy. He might have been in that Josh Jacobs and Kyler Murray tier. Um, he's regressed a little bit. Um, some of that, you know, going back to the situation, might tie back to the quarterback change with Dwayne Haskins, a fellow rookie, stepping in. Um, but part of that also might be, at the end of the day, look, Terry McLaren, he's been amazing and love him. He was a third-round draft pick in the real NFL draft. So, you know, usually, more times than not, these NFL you know, GMs and coaches, they, they know what they are to. There's a reason why you fall that far. But Terry McLaren is clearly proving that he shouldn't have maybe fallen that far. So it's the question is, you know, where do you kind of lie in terms of what he brings to the table? Do you believe he's this elite talent or is he more, you know, not quite as elite at that position? I think he's elite, but he, but he lives and dies a little bit with the quarterback situation. If Dwayne Haskins can develop into a top-tier thrower, even a top-15 thrower. Mm-hmm. McLaurin just skyrockets in value, as you've seen what he's done with other people on under quarterback. I, I like this kid. He's exceptionally quick. He's got great hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't have the drops numbers in front of us, but I don't recall him dropping many things from any of the games that I've seen. But it's it's been relatively impressive with everything that he's done with the talent surrounding him and the lack of a running game that's that's potentially helped him, but it's also given him more focus from defensive coordinators. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, it all comes back to, you know, just the situation, especially for running back or for wide receivers. You know, quarterbacks, running backs, they can kind of make the best of their situation and persevere. But for wide receivers, you know, you rely on someone else to help you do your job. And if a quarterback can't throw you a ball, you're not going to be successful because you're not going to have the opportunity to be successful. So that does concern me with Terry just because the Redskins are a shit show. And Dwayne Haskins, you know, he was picked 15th, I think, in the NFL draft. There's definitely reason for optimism, but there's also, you know, a chance that he's not good. Yeah. You know, there's a chance maybe they could pull an Arizona Cardinals and maybe take a quarterback, you know, in the top yeah. five next year. We don't know. Um, but as it stands right now, you just you can't ignore what you've seen from Terry McLaren because what you've seen is someone that can be a top 15-ish wide receiver. Yep. And as a rookie, that's amazing. Yep. Uh, so pick number seven, I'm going to go with Miles Sanders. I, I'm all aboard the running back train. This is how I view it. This is a guy that's continuing to get workloads. He's developed week in and week out. Jordan Jordan Howard has, has done his fair share to, to solidify his share in this Eagles offense. But Miles Sanders has looked immensely better as the weeks have progressed. Uh, as an owner, you have to be super excited about what he brings to the table. Um, he's learning to run between the tackles a little bit more than trying to take everything and immediately bounce it outside, which is which has been an extra bonus. Um, and the receiving game, he has more upside than Jordan Howard does. He has a ton more upside. And even with Darren Sproles coming back, he continues to be a major piece in this passing game. I like Miles Sanders and what he brings to the Philadelphia Eagles offense. Yeah, I mean, to put it into perspective, he's almost, the rushing yards and receiving yards are almost equal for him. It's crazy. 336 to 305. Um, it's very, very close. I mean, the only thing with Miles Sanders that gives me slight pause is the whole Philadelphia offense. And do we think that Doug Peterson will have anything but a committee? Uh, you got to hope that eventually, just like with all running backs you that 
he puts his foot in the sand and says, this is my guy. And with Jordan Howard continuing to age, with him only being a one feature back with mm-hmm. running the ball, and it's between the tackles and everything you need to, that Miles Sanders needs to be the guy that's focused on in this offense. He, he has the capabilities of being a three-down back. He needs a coach that understands that as well. Uh, yep, yeah, I agree with that. Um, all right, well, my I'm up next, and we are picking at eight. eight. And at number eight, I am going to go with Hollywood Brown. Brown, wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens. He was the first wide receiver taken in the actual NFL draft. And while there are while there are concerns with his size, um, he's been electric. I mean, we've seen this Baltimore Ravens offense. We've talked about it a few times on the pod. It's been revamped. It's a very fun offense to watch. And he's kind of a focal point in why they're so... I mean, Lamar Jackson's obviously the stir that's, mm-hmm. you know... Um, stirs the drink, but he's or Hollywood Brown is just going to be a big reason for that offense. He's I, I kind of compared him, you know, to Brandon Cooks, like in terms of that small, shifty electric wide yeah. receiver, and I think he has potential to be that in this offense. It's another guy that can take the top off the defense, and mm-hmm. giving Lamar Jackson more space only makes Hollywood Brown that much more effective if they say, nope, we're going to respect Lamar Jackson's running game, which, fun fact, Lamar Jackson can throw a football. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, yeah. But, um, but, but Hollywood Brown being able to take the top off the defense makes him very good. It's And the re- and I'm going to interrupt yeah. you. One of the things that I really like about Hollywood Brown is he he's, fi- he's quick enough he can't take the top off you, but he's also, because he's so quick, you can just show him or throw him a little bubble screen, a quick two-yard slant, and if he's in space, if you let him get a full head of steam, he's going to be gone. He that and when you combine that with Lamar Jackson and what kind of problems he creates, they're kind of a mismatch made for heaven. I feel like in terms of what they can bring to an offense. Uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I feel like if you take Desha- uh, Deshaun Jackson's ability to take the top off the defense, but the shiftiness of Tyree Kill, and you kind of mellow those out a little bit, I think you find a Hollywood Brown mix in that. Yeah, I mean, hell yeah. So, so at nine, I, th- I think this is one of the first picks that you and I actually agree on here in a in a tight end premium league. I, I like T.J. Hawkinson and what he brings into the to the Lions offense. Uh, he had a couple boom weeks. He's had a c- couple few many bust weeks with with everything that goes with it. But he's a big kid. He's a big body. He knows how to block, and which means if you can keep him on there for for three snaps out of out of out of the offensive drive. You don't know if he's in there to, to make holes for what you hope to be a healthy carry on Johnson or if he's going to be running his route tree and, and catching balls, and he's a big big red zone threat. He is, and I mean, you hate to use like what-ifs because you can use this for all these games, but he's had two um, two touchdowns called back you know, due to um, mm-hmm. penalties, and he's had another three where, unfortunately, he dropped it. Um, those aren't really long-term concerns, I feel like, for him in terms of the drops. I mean, he's been very close to having a lot more games similar to what we saw in Week 1. And in a tight end premium league, you know, he's there's a reason he went in the top 10 in the rookie draft. Yeah. Um, so there's really not much more to add. I mean, TJ Hawkinson, he's got all the talent in the world at the tight end position. And I think him, he's going to be Matt Stafford's favorite target in the very near future, especially with, you know, Marvin Jones. I, one of them, I think, has a contract I think ending. Jones, I think Gallagher yeah. is still there for a couple more years. Mm-hmm. All right, so we are at number 10. And for me, I'm going to go with a player that hasn't actually been on the field yet. 
Nikhil Harry, he, so this is, you're kind of betting on pedigree. You're betting on where he, you know, went to start things off. He was the second wide receiver taken. He was taken by the New England Patriots. Um, for some experts, you know, going into the whole draft, he was the number one wide receiver. Um, again, he hasn't played though this year. He was activated off the pup list. He is supposed, it sounds like he's going to be back after their bye this week. Um, yeah, Nikhil Harry, I mean, unfortunately, there's really much to say because he hasn't done anything. So this is kind of just believing in his upside and potential. Yeah, I wasn't as high on it. He's, I've got him further down on my list this way. And the question becomes is, is it because I haven't seen what he has the ability to produce in this offense? Understanding, though, that he was drafted in this spot for a reason, I think, is part of the reason why he was a little bit higher than what it was. But you have to question... If you don't see it, do you believe it? Yeah, I mean, it's such a tricky thing because I think with, especially rookies, I mean, just Dynasty in general, you got to be, you got to remember this is for the long call. Yep. You know, Larry Fitzgerald lighting the world up on fire is great, but he also doesn't have a long ceiling. Mm-hmm. You know, and same thing with a rookie, you know, Nikhil Harry, yeah, he hasn't stepped foot on this the field and Preston Williams, an undrafted player for the Miami Dolphins, has been great this year. But gun to your head, are you really going to take Preston Williams over Nikhil Harry? Not in my world. Yeah, so you gotta. It's a hard thing to weigh, and there's you know you can't really you know live and die by like one set of rules. So it's a case by case basis thing. But I think for Nikhil Harry, you got to give respect to a first round wide receiver. Um, He was the consensus you know first round or first wide receiver in dynasty drafts. Um, I, I get you know being a little bit soured on the injury, but hey. Mike Williams was injured for most of his rookie year. Um, we've seen that happen sometimes, a, a redshirt year, if you will. Yep. And I don't know. We'll see. I think he could be huge down the stretch for this New England offense. Yeah, I, it's looking forward to it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick an 11 here. Mm-hmm. Uh, one pick shy of the final pick here, which you get the luxuries of. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go wide receiver as well, and I'm going to take this guy out of Tennessee, A.J. Brown. Um, he's had a couple big weeks. He's he's really made, made everybody go Corey Davis who? And he's really shown that he's got the big play potential. He's mm-hmm. He can catch a ball in traffic. He's had a couple catches, I'm pretty sure, where he's been lit up afterwards as, as he's caught the ball. But the things that you see, I've seen out of him so far make me excited about what this kid is. But just like Terry McLaurin, he lives and dies by who he has at quarterback and the efficiency of this offense. He does. I mean, to me... When I've, you know, watched, you know, in red zone and, you know, you see like highlights pop up now and then for the Tennessee Titans. And I feel like when they do cut into the Tennessee Titans, it's normally because A.J. Brown made a big play. He kind of has like that almost, I want to say Julio Jones type of vibe to him. He's just, he looks like, you know, this, you know, overdone quote, but he looks like a man out there. He's just, he's a bully. He's bigger than everyone. He's faster than everyone. And he uses that to advantage. He's... Again, we'll, hopefully they figure out the quarterback position because if they do, I I think he can be a wide receiver one and he can you know have long-term staying power in this league and be elite in fantasy. Potentially, you know, maybe as soon as next year, it could take a little bit longer, but a lot of reason for excitement for A.J. Brown. I, I don't blame you. You have picked 12 out of the first round, sir. Pick 12. Um, so it's, it's kind of funny that I'm picking him because he's a player that I was not... The most high on coming into things but i'm gonna go with noah fant um i think with fant he's someone that i was worried about the mental lapses and the drops and 
in fairness, you've seen that. Yep. <laughs> it hasn't been great. But with Noah Fant, what you do like is he's just a specimen. He's so fast. He's got just all like the immeasurables. And I think for me, because right now when I look at the board, I just see kind of a, a drop in talent from my perspective. I think Noah Fant probably offers the biggest upside. If he does put it all together, he's just going to be a game-changing elite tight end or just player. Like he could be the Gronk, you know, level tight end, like the Travis Kelsey type guy, like the just game changer at the position. Um, but again, there's a chance he could flame out. Um, yeah. So you're rolling the dice here, but I, I I don't hate rolling the dice here at pick 12. No, not, especially when you think about the, that depending on what happens with the Denver quarterback situation, mm-hmm. uh, our young quarterback's best friend is what? The tight end? The tight end. And or Austin Eckler, or, yeah, or Austin Eckler, <laughs> or like a yeah, but you. But same. but yeah, I mean it's it's one of those ones where as you go through and you look at it, he plays an important position. It's a tight end premium league. You've got to like what you've seen from the kids so far. I, I think it's a super smart pick to finish the first round out. Okay, where are we going now to start things off in round two? Uh, round two, I'm gonna fun fact go running back again here, <laughs> and I'm gonna take a guy out of Buffalo and Devin Singletary. This kid has eaten into a ever so ageless Frank Gore snap count mm-hmm. to where he is acquiring more and more yards through the ground as well as through the air. And it's been a pleasure to watch him blossom over the last little bit. He's becoming a Josh Allen helper instead of something that you have to be concerned about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like, I like Devin Singletary here. I mean... It's hard to argue against that when right now he's averaging 6.7 rushes or 6.7 yards per rush. Um, that's quite a lot. That actually, I believe, leads all rookies in the league right now. Um, when you filter out, you know, some anybody that's complete not an actual out, running back. Yeah, not yeah. When you look at like minimum attempts, but at the same time too, he's only rushed the ball 40 times. Yeah. Um, to put that things in perspective, Josh Jacobs has rushed the ball over 160 times. You know. David Montgomery is over 110. Even like pure backups like Alexander Mattinson succeed him or have more than him. So for me, I was a little bit lower on Singletary. I get the reason for optimism, but it's just, it's a real small sample size. And he was drafted a little bit later. And I want to say, was he a third round pick or a fourth round pick? Uh, um, that I don't know off the top of my head here. But I'm just, I'm. When I see him play, a part of me just feels like he may be better suited for the, you know, game of ch- or the, the, the second running back option in terms of being that rather than a workhorse, and that just worries me a, a little bit about him. Um, but I think when you look at it too, you have to you have to be excited that he has receiving capabilities, mm-hmm. and he's in an offense that's extremely pass heavy with Josh Allen. As Josh Allen has the ability to run the ball on his own entity. So having a Devin Singletary that can help alleviate a lot of the passing game offense and a lot of the drop downs, and we have another player on our list a little bit later on that we'll get to um, that's another weapon for Josh Allen. But I, I like the the piece that he brings into this this Buffalo Bills offense. All right. I buy, I buy it. Um, all right. So I'm up now at pick 13, and I am going to go with our number – I think he was number three yep. pick player – in our actual NFL or our rookie draft, go with Dwayne Haskins. Um, with Haskins, look, he hasn't lit the world on fire. So this, you know, 
you don't feel great, you know, after seeing him play in the NFL, but he was someone that you kind of expected to maybe take a little bit to figure things out. Um, this Washington Redskins situation is very um, frustrating in terms of what they have, in terms of their offensive line, and really outside of Scary Terry, their wide receiver situation is garbage. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been Adrian Peterson has been solid, but. We'll see what Geist does when he comes back because that running back situation isn't great. Um, Basically, there's not a lot of support around him. And it'll be interesting to see how that progresses with him. But at the same time, too, I mean, I made the comparison with um, an earlier reference to the Arizona Cardinals. You know, we could see a situation where if they get the first overall pick, I mean, they might pull a Josh Rosen and be like, bye, we're going to take Tua or we're going to take Joe Burrow. Um, So that's just something to monitor as maybe a possibility. Um, but at the end of the day, first-round quarterbacks in the NFL draft have incredibly high equity, more times than not, Josh Rosen withstanding. So for me, I'm going to go with Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, and I, th- I think if he gets a couple more pieces put around him, which if you take part of an Arizona Cardinals rebuild where you give him offensive weapons, you help improve his offensive line, this could, put, could potentially turn heads, and I think it's a, it's a risk worth taking. Fair. All right, so we we get to move on a little bit here. I'm going to, again, shock the world and pick a wide receiver. I will take Debo Samuel hmm. um, and and that prolific, undefeated 49ers offense led by Jimmy Garoppolo, which is really led by Kyle Shanahan through their defense through and their running defense attack. And, and Tevin Coleman. Uh-huh. But it's an upside wide receiver. He's a super fast kid. He's a shifty kid. Um, I like what he brings to the table. I think... I think as you watch some of the contracts come up with some of the other receivers, um, that you watch some of the other pieces go with it, I think this kid steps up in a big way. Um, he's got all the talent in the world, mm-hmm. as he was very highly thought of coming out of college. I, I think he plays well into the offensive scheme here, which is run first and then have guys that can make plays after a catch. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with it. I mean, Debo Samuel, you worry, obviously, that the Niners are proving to be a run first team and mm-hmm. a run second team and a run third team. But I think at some point they're going to realize that the only way they're going to truly succeed is when Jimmy Garoppolo can be a, a competent passer. And yeah, they brought in Emmanuel Sanders, but I don't know if that's going to be a long-term thing. Um, Debo Samuel, I think he has the potential after George Kittle to be a very reliable target for them. Yeah. So it's, He's certainly not someone that I think is going to light the world up fire this year, but I think potentially, you know, in 2020, um, I, I, I like him. It's, yeah. it's hard to argue against him. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it rolling with the quarterback. And honestly, this one's kind of a shot in the dark. I'm going to go with Gardner Minshew. Um, he, truthfully, he's done everything you would hope for from a six, and then some, from a rookie that was drafted in the sixth round in the NFL draft. Um, filling in for their injured quarterback that got injured in the first game of the NFL season. He has done nothing short than, you know, be just amazing. Um, But obviously, you know, it just came out, you know, Doug Marone, they mentioned they're benching him. You know, they're going to go back to Nick Foles. So we don't know what this means. You know, maybe Nick Foles is a train wreck and they go back to Gardner Minshew. Maybe Nick Foles does great and they trade Gardner Minshew. Maybe they trade Foles in the offseason. I don't know. All I know is that Gardner Minshew, I think, showed that he can play in the NFL. And again, this is dynasty. This is why guys like Jacoby Brissett, um, Teddy Bridgewater, you know, we see these competent backups are not only rostered, but they're pretty viable and like coveted 
because it's not about just this season or even next season. So it's about two, three seasons down the road. And I think Gardner Minshew has showed that he can be a player in this league. And he, he's, he was a fantasy player. I think he's a top 15 quarterback of this player. So, or yeah, top quarterback in scoring. So it's hard to argue against what you've seen. And again, seeing is believing and having a guy that's come out there that's put together a bunch of really good games. And yeah, he's had some shitty games, but mm-hmm. again, he's a rookie. You expect oh, yeah. that out of what's going on with it. Um, I, I don't fault you with this. I had him two spots lower, mm-hmm. but I really, really like this Gardner Minshew kid. And he has a mean mustache. <laughs> His meme game is strong. It, it's extremely. And anybody that has the ability to rock the name as Gardner means that you're kind of a badass. Yeah, the constant Gardner. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, all right and on, where are we and going on that next? joke, yeah, we'll go ahead and do that. Um, so I'm going to go, again, wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I'll take uh, Paris Campbell. I think the pieces that are around this Indianapolis offense with a, with a T.Y. Hilton that's getting a little bit older, I think Paris Campbell has the ability to stack up to be number two, potentially the number three receiver and benefit from this entire offense. Jacoby Brissett's shown that he has been a competent backup that he can take care of all this, which, fun fact, again, it's another guy that's played behind Tom Brady Mm -hmm. that's gone through and had a hell of a season. Um, I I like what he brings to the table. I think it's a a fun offense to watch. It's it's an interesting offense to watch as well um, because they they have an interesting running back in Marlon Mack that can shoulder a lot of the workload. Mm -hmm. But at the same point in time, this offense has the ability to open up space with the receiving crew and the tight end crew. Yeah, I mean, Paris Campbell, he was, you know, drafted in the first round by Zane and under the assumption that he was going to play with Andrew Luck. Unfortunately, Andrew Luck retired, and I think Paris Campbell's stock kind of nosedived. Um, but this is, you know, Dynasty, and uh, he, it's obviously a long-term play. You mentioned T.Y. Hilton's getting up there in age. Um, you know, for Paris Campbell, I think the one thing that sucks for him is the fact that this is now twice now he's kind of gotten going and an injury has just injury, yep. come in, and it's really just, oh, is he going to break out? Oh, no, he's going to be injured now, actually. So that's just kind of a bummer because that does impede, you know, your growth as a player, and you hope it doesn't, like, set him back too far. Yeah. All right, so I'm up next, and I am picking at pick 18, and I'm going to go with the wide receiver as well, um, and I'm going to go with McCall Hardman, wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, honestly, this is a gambit on the organization. He was drafted in the second round by the Chiefs. He gets to play his hope, maybe his entire career with the greatest quarterback right now in the league at Patrick Mahomes. Um, yeah, it's a little bit crowded, but I think Sammy Watkins could be a cap casualty next year. Um, this is just a guy that he's looked good in a limited, you know, burst or, you know, limited like viewing, um, chances in the offense. Um, so yeah, it, it's a bet on the future and what he could become. But I think McCall Hardman has lived up to what you probably expected him to do at this point. So yeah, yeah give me it, give me Hardman. It's it's big big play potential. And mm-hmm. when you talk about part of this, your ability to get in the end zone, um, it helps. And when you're playing opposite of a Tyreek Hill, that way I think yeah, with Sammy Watkins being most likely gone next year, this kid steps up in in a big way. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go next. So we're on 19 here. Yep. Let's go through, and I'm going to change my list up a bit. And, and I'm going to yeah, audible. I'm going to make an audible here, and I'm going to take a tight end out of Minnesota and Irv Smith Jr. Okay. Um, he's come on of lately. I believe he's 
He's been the forgotten piece, potentially, in part of this offense, playing opposite of Kyle Rudolph. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that he has that I like better than Kyle Rudolph is his blocking ability, which puts him more relevant on the field during some of these downs and gives the illusion that when he's there that he's going to be blocking, but that opens up a little bit more of the play-action game that, that gives him an upside to me. And again, in the tight end premium league, going 3-for-32 – Looks pretty good when when he has the opportunity to score a touchdown. Right, and you get that extra half point. I mean, Irv Smith, I believe he's technically the youngest player in the NFL right now. Yeah. He is very young, and he's actually, I think when um, Kyle Rudolph signed that extension, we kind of thought, oh, well, Irv Smith just isn't going to do anything this year. But he's actually getting involved, and he's, you know, being on the on the field at important times. I think this... Minnesota Vikings offense is very unique. They want to pound the heck out of you with, you know, Delvin Cook. But then they're going to have both their tight ends out there, and they're going to have them, and they're going to bully you. And, oh, yeah, we also have, you know, know, Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. So they're a very fun offense, and when Kirk Cousins is on, it's... Scary. It's scary, and it's gravy for, you know, fantasy owners because everyone kind of is getting a piece of the pie. Um, Irv Smith... I can't argue with that. He's a good pick. Thanks, man. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I'm going to go with a wide receiver because I think it's wide receiver season right now. And I'm going to go with Dinate Johnson, wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, he was drafted in the third round of our draft. And I think maybe the reason for that is there was a little bit just concern with the wide receivers for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, obviously, we all know Juju. But they had brought in Dante Moncrief. You know, they still had James Washington, who had a lot of buzz. But, you know, to maybe the surprise of people that weren't paying attention, Deontay Johnson has just continued to rise. Right now, he's their wide receiver, too. And, yeah, they don't have Big Ben, and Mason Rudolph is kind of inept. But he's actually making plays. I'm very, very, very excited for what the future could hold from him. Um, I think we saw, you know, Juju obviously exceed when Antonio Brown was there. Um, And, you know, Juju's still succeeding now. But I'm very curious to see what next season brings for him. Because I think, you know, if you want to talk about just early, like, for redraft people next year, I think Deontay Johnson... And I'm probably butchering that first name. I don't even know. Deontay. Deontay. Wow. Thank you. That's what I'm here for. It's the whiskey talking. Hey, baby steps. <laughs> Speaking of, mine's almost gone. <laughs> no, but I just think he's someone that next year with a healthy Big Ben, I think he could legitimately blow up. Like, game changer. Like, you know, maybe not elite, like top 10 wide receiver. But for a guy that went in the third round, if he's a top 20, top 25 receiver... Hell yeah, you take yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. And it, Big Ben only makes him better. Mm-hmm. Nothing. It's not a knock on Mason Rudolph. He's done his fair share to make this team relevant. But Big Ben has the ability to provide him with the additional targets. And if he can step into a Juju Smith-Schuster role, mm-hmm. where I, am I allowed to see Antonio Brown on some of these <laughs> on some of these things, or does he appear and go batshit crazy? We might be on else? a watch list or something. Okay. If do. Um, but if Juju can turn into to being part of what that is, it just makes Deontay Johnson that much more valuable. Absolutely. I mean, they released Dante Moncrief, so the Steelers are all in on yep. Dante. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm gonna I'll follow this up with with my next pick, which I believe is pick yeah, twenty one. Twenty one, which is is almost to the end of the second round here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll go in with another crowded wide receiver court and take Andy Isabella. In an air raid type offense, you have to like the and again we I, there's air raid being said with quotes on my side because um, they've run the ball a lot. Yep. 
his ability to to get open and to to really be a wide receiver core in this in this area is better. But they brought in a very crowded rookie backfield. You had a Larry Fitzgerald type of player in this on a on a team that with a with a rookie wide or quarterback that was coming in. Now it's what do you expect to get out of him? But he's proven that he has again he has the ability. To, I find myself saying to stretch the field again. He can he can run a deep ball. He can he might be the best. Ball. He is so fast. And you like that upside to it. I'll take Isabella. Yeah, I'm all in. The Cardinals, I'm in. It'll probably screw me, but if I had a chance to get a Cardinals player that isn't David Johnson, give me. (laughs) Give me all of them because I think this offense is really on the cusp of greatness. Um, They're moving the ball well. They unfortunately are converting in the red zone, but I think that's going to come because we're seeing, you know, this rookie struggles at both quarterback and coach. And Andy Isabella, he's a burner that I think is just going to, he's really going to allow this offense to ascend to a next level, I think. Yeah. All right, for me, um, and I think this is one that we might disagree with the most on, I'm going to go with a running back, and I'm going to go with Darrell Henderson. He is a running back for the LA Rams, and he is the backup right now to Todd Gurley. Yeah. Um, the thing I like about Daryl Henderson is just the potential on what Sean McVay could do with him. I was reading the stat how he is second in the league behind a certain running back in broken tackle rate. Do you want to guess who that running back is? I assume it might be my favorite player in the world, Christian no? McCaffrey. No. No. Ooh. Ooh, my, probably, probably my favorite. Dalvin Cook? Alvin Kamara. Oh. And I think that was an interesting comparison that people were making prior to the draft. And I think there's reason to be excited for that, you know, potential upside. I think Daryl Henderson, he, we've kind of seen that whole Rams offense, I think, take a step back this year. You know, last year, like, it looked like, you know, Todd McVay was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Sean McVay. Sean McVay. Words are hard. Um, Sean McVay was the greatest thing since sliced bread. But, you know, in combination to maybe defenses figure things out, you know, Jared Goff not being... As Jared Goff. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, I really, I'm excited for him. I think this is a gambit for the future. I mean, Todd Gurley, we had a lot of concerns going into this year, and frankly, they were kind of justified. Um, his days as the elite game-changing running back, I'm not sure if they're still there. Um, and I think Darrell Henderson, he's going to get more involved in this offense. And that's what you've got to hope for, because with Gurley having his small setbacks and everything there, you kind of want to see more out of it. You want to see mm-hmm. a little bit... Of, a little bit more from his opportunities and yep he has this this positive upside here and you hope that that just continues to blossom he i think he's a guy that would benefit from more volume and as long as todd Gurley stays there and or is healthy it drastically eats into his ability to showcase his talents i agree with that but i mean i think again we're in a dynasty league this is it's not about this year it might not even be about next year but i think there's a lot of reasons to be excited with henderson and i think I really think his role is going to continue to blossom, and I'm not even saying he's going to be a starter, but I think if Sean McVay, you know, continues to have this offense at an elite level like we expect it to, you know, stay at as long as he's on board, I think Darrell Henderson can really benefit from that. Yeah. Um, so I, I'll follow this up with another backup running back here, mm-hmm. which is a guy that went at the top pick of the third round in our rookie draft, and Alexander Madison. Mm-hmm. Given the opportunities to spell... Um, Dalvin Cook, this kid's looked nothing short of spectacular. His, his ability to move left and right while get upfield has been has been pretty awesome. And I, you give a little credit to the offensive lineup mm-hmm. and up in Minnesota because they're giving him holes and opportunities. 
but this kid's capitalized on I, I probably most of 75% of his opportunities to showcase what he can do in this offense. Right. I mean, it's Dalvin Cook. I mean, if it wasn't for Christian McCaffrey, I think he would be the consensus top running back in the league yeah, right I'd now. Argue, yep. But when Mattinson has come in, they haven't missed a beat. Yeah. Um, he's not as involved in the passing game that Dalvin Cook is, but in terms of the running game, Mattinson has been phenomenal. Um, there, I don't really know what else there is no, to add to I mean, that. He's, I mean, he's been a good player. Yeah, you, you, you continue to wish nothing but health upon Dalvin Cook, but the Vikings have to feel good that should heaven forbid anything happen, they have a competent back following him back up. Yeah, I mean, the only thing, and I'll say this, you know, with Darrell Henderson, Alex Vetter, Mattinson, and any other, like, backup running backs that we're talking about, you always wonder how it's going to be when they get the opportunity. Yep. It's very easy, I think, to succeed as a backup running back when you're coming in on, like, non-obvious running situations and, you know, the the defense isn't exactly prepping for you like they are for, you know, a Todd Gurley or mm-hmm. a Delvin Cook. So if that opportunity comes for Mattinson, Henderson, or any other backup running yeah. back that we're going to talk about, you know, it, it sometimes we see, like, oh, well, this guy's an amazing backup. He's going to be an elite, you know, front, you know, ball carrier. Yeah. That might not always be the case. Not saying that's going to be Alexander Mattinson, but that's just something to keep in the back of your mind. Yeah. It's hard to disagree. So you have, what are we, at the end of round two now? The end of round two, I have the the last pick in this round, and I'm going to go with the wide receiver. Um, this is, you know, again, you know, kind of piggybacking off my Henderson pick um, in terms of betting for the future. I'm going to go with J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Um, I think when the, the Philadelphia Eagles took him, the expectations weren't that he was going to compete as a fantasy viable player this yep. year. It was more of a long-term gambit with, you know, Elshon Jeffrey, you know, still being under contract. You know, they had Deshaun Jackson. Yep. He was healthy. You know, the tight ends. This was kind of a, I viewed it as a redshirt year. And I feel like most people probably did when you looked at the situation, but you have Carson Wentz. He's an elite quarterback, and he can produce you know fantasy-relevant players. I mean, he's doing it with two tight ends. Elshon Jeffrey is good for a flex-worthy ad. And you know, even at the running back positions, we're seeing them involved. I think just long-term, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, I, I wouldn't want to bet against him. You know, I'll roll the dice with him at yeah. this spot. The nice part is he gets to learn from two seasons veterans <coughs> in Alshon Jeffrey and um, Deshaun Jackson. Mm-hmm. I think learning capabilities and the experience that you can get out of part of that continues to make the your ability to perform going forward that much more valuable. Mm-hmm. All right, we're All right. starting the, the last round, round three. Round three. I'm going to start it with a running back, as, mm-hmm. as I do like this, and I'm going to go with Justice Hill. I think there's a a fun piece in this in this offense in, in Baltimore that's <coughs> continuing to develop that potentially in the next year or two could be putting Mark Ingram on the outs. I think Justice Hill provides a little bit more explosiveness and elusiveness than a big old back like Mark Ingram has the ability to do. And the more elusive you can be in this Baltimore offense, I think the more effective you get to be. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we've seen time and time again, one of the biggest influences on a running back success can tie back to having a rushing quarterback in the backfield with them. So when you add in Lamar Jackson, who it's literally up there with Michael Vick, the greatest run, rushing quarterback in history, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to make every running back's job so much easier. So Justice Hill, I mean, if he does, you know, 
succeed, you know, Mark Ingram, literally, he has top 10 upside. Yeah. But, you know, we'll see if that, you know, happens. I mean, I, I think Mark Ingram, because of, they're, they're kind of using, like, a three-headed, like, monster with, yeah. like, Mark Ingram getting, like, maybe 40% of the carries, you know, Gus Edwards getting, like, 20% of the carries, you know, Justice Hill getting 15% of the carries, and... Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson getting the the rest. So, I mean, it's I think it's going to keep a lot of those guys fresh, and it's going to bode well for their long-term success, but it might lead to a situation where we don't see any of those running backs being elite. Yeah, or fantasy-relevant in some aspects. Yeah, in some aspects. I mean, I think they're all going to be viable. Well, Ingram is certainly viable. Yes. But we'll see. uh, The second one might not present itself right Right away. The, current, the next maybe foreseeable future. Yeah, for the rest of the year, you know, next year, who knows? Maybe yeah. if one of them leaves or something, that that could change. All right, so I'm up next. And 3.2. 3.2, and let's see. I want to make sure I don't forget anyone. All right, I'm going to go with our second undrafted player. And I'm going to go with Ty Johnson, another running back for the Detroit Lions. He's succeeding right now, you know, an injured Carrie Johnson. And Carrie Johnson, I mean, again... It's going to go back to opportunity. He's unfortunately been, you know, injured the last two years. He hasn't finished a year healthy in his first two seasons. And that's going to give you cause for concern. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you don't want to throw around the term, you know, injury prone lightly. Because, you know, that's sometimes not the case. Sometimes there's a perfectly good reason for that. I think Dalvin Cook, you know, he had that term. But at the end of the day, he tore his ACL and he came back from an ACL. And he had, you know, hamstring injuries that people routinely have in that situation so you don't want to throw that out you know that term loosely but i think ty johnson he's got the opportunity right now he's got the rest of the season where he's the back you know there was rumors oh they're going to trade for Kenyon drake they're going to trade for you know there was rumors they were going to trade for Devontae freeman it didn't happen they stuck with ty johnson and you know he's got to capitalize on it he's got an opportunity that not many people ahead of him have so this is kind of a a bet for the situation at hand. Yeah, it gives you the opportunity to, to increase the value of your floor. And the, the higher your floor is 95% of the time, the more relevant you are in everybody's offense. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily from a fantasy point, but from an overall efficiency standpoint in the NFL. Yeah. All right, I'm, I'm again going to take an audible off of my list here. Ooh, audible. Um, I love it. I'm, I'm going to go running back. Okay. I'm going to take another backup running back for... The Dallas Cowboys. Mm, And I'm going to take Tony Pollard. Um, He has shown valuable upside in the passing game as well as in the receiving game to make plays happen. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but he returns kicks too, doesn't he? Yes, I believe he does. So a a little bit of an upside there from from a piece there, but that goes to show the, the interesting dynamics of what this kid can bring to the table. And... Being able, just like an Alexander Madison, to spell a top-tier running back, you don't miss steps when you come in and you try and look as good as you can with it. And I think this kid has a lot of positive upside. So I like Tony Pollard here. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt that he's playing, you know, with potentially probably the greatest line in a running back that's for in the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Obviously, though, you know, this is the Ezekiel Elliott show. And Ezekiel Elliott is going to get all the carries and all the carries. So, yeah, I mean, he would have been my pick too. But, you know, that that worries you a little bit because when is he, is he going to, short of injury, is he going to have a chance to be relevant? I don't know. 
Yeah, and then and it becomes maybe the Cowboys find a, a suitable trade piece for a team that potentially needs it, and they, they clean up a little bit on their own entity. That's a very good point. Because again, you know, it's it's long term. Yep. You know, these many years. Some of these players we're talking about, you know, they might not get a chance to be super viable on their current teams. It might take another team, a trade, free agency for them to truly break out. You know, ask our good friend Kevin, who got ragged in the other <laughs> league for Mr. Eric Ebron. Yeah. And guess what? He lit the world on fire when he moved to a different team. Yep. And that that happens. That'll happen a lot more times than we're probably expecting or think will happen. I agree. All right, I'm up at number 28, and I'm going to take an upside stab in the dark pick and go with Hakeem Butler. Wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals. This is a redshirt year. He's out for the year. He's not going to be coming back, but this is a guy that he has all the traits, all the physical tools to be an elite player. Um, similar to Noah Fant, though, he's got you know cause for concerns, you know, the drops, you know, lazy route running you know will he figure it out and that's the million dollar question because there are so many players that don't figure it out but you know you have a guy like Cortland Sutton I look at I think they're very comparable players that had very similar traits and a lot of like upside with their you know their measurables and Cortland Sutton is balling out this year and that could be Hakeem Butler I mean you look at this Arizona Cardinals offense I I really I'm all in to a fault, and I think Hakeem Butler could potentially benefit from being in that offense and potentially, you know, being that big number one player, number one wide receiver for you know Kyler Murray for years to come. Yeah, it's it's hard to argue with any part of that. And again, it's playing on the upside of what you're coming in off of college and and the expectations help. This way, it continues to be the what are we going to see when he gets out there. Mm-hmm. Um, Where are we going to 29? So so you mentioned this guy named Cortland Sutton. Mm-hmm. Well, somebody's got to get Cortland Sutton the ball. And, yeah. and it's definitely not Joe Flacco anymore. Mm-hmm. And Brandon Allen's looked looked pretty good okay so far one in this one game. <laughs> yeah. But I like Drew Locke. Uh, Drew Locke coming out of Missouri throws a gorgeous deep ball. Mm-hmm. Has the ability to deliver it in a very pretty fashion. Question. Yes. Are you biased at all because you're wearing a Mizzou tie right now? I, I, no one can see this, but I'm, I'm looking at a Mizzou tiger on Dan's I, shirt. Yes, he's holly high. Um, <laughs> that way, no, I I've watched this kid come out of okay. high school. He's got a lot of talent. He doesn't have as much necessarily as the mobility piece as what you'll see in a Daniel Jones mm-hmm. and, a, and a Dwayne Haskins. But correct me if I'm wrong. I think he had one of the biggest deep balls thrown in this year's combine. I'm not even going to look it up, and I'm just going to say yes. Okay, perfect. He doesn't have the arm like Josh Allen does. No. But but the kid has the ability to throw the ball, and if he can perfect it with some touch and stay healthy um, as he's now come back off of IR, uh, I, I think he has a very positive upside playing in Denver. Again, I'm going to beat this dead horse. I'm a big quarterback believer. If you have a starting quarterback in a super flex league, a 12-teamer, they're worth their weight in gold. I don't know if Drew Locke's going to be that guy, truthfully, but he's got a chance to be it, and because of that, he, he's got to go in this range. Yep. All right, number 30. Pick 30, wow. Um, I'm going to go with a tight end. Okay. We haven't called one of them in a while. Yeah. And I'm going to go with Dawson Knox. Yeah. Tight end for the Buffalo Bills. Um, again, I think he's just... He's kind of been ho-hum to start things off. 
He hasn't been flashy. You know, that Buffalo Bills offense, I'm not sure if they will be ever flashy. But he's he's working within what, you know, they're asking him to do. And he's actually not doing that awful. So I think, you know, for, you know, Josh Allen, he's building, I think, a nice rapport with this young rookie running back. And I think there's just... There's just reason to be excited for him. Yeah, I think when you look at it, I'm a just like you are a Kyler Murray believer. I've gone all in on Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a big guy. He, Josh Allen's a big kid, a lot of legs, mm-hmm. and having a tight end that can that can be a possession receiver. If you want to talk about your prototypical three for thirty two, four for forty five guy. Dawson Knox is the one that, you, that is the guy that's going to do that for you. Yeah, it's not flashy by any stretch of the imagination, but this is it's a kid that can go get a ball for you, can can catch it, give you the possession yards that you need, and, and make a bit of difference. That was our first player taken in the fourth round. Yeah, um, so I'm going to follow it up with uh, a receiver that also went in the fourth round. Mm. And I'm again, I'm going rogue here. But Audible. Having watched the the game last night. With Oakland, I have a little bit of bias, but Hunter Renfro has really begun to develop a relationship with Derek Carr. And when you look at his, he reminds me a little bit of Wes Welker, a little short, Racist. shifty guy. Yeah, little. He's a little white guy. I get it that way. But in all fairness, most of us in here are little white guys, anyways. This is a kid that has the ability to to get a ball, to run a short route, to to make a couple people miss. And have a couple yards after the catch. It's not going to be big, explosive, but if he can be three quarters of who a Julian Edelman is or what a Wes Welker was, this kid's got a lot of positive upside. Yeah, I mean, I think Hunter Renfro, he was, I think, everyone's kind of darling going into the rookie or the NFL draft. And, but there was just a question of can he actually make it? Can he actually compete, you know, with. The NFL talent, and I think so far he's showing that. Um, as long as Derek Carr, I think, is the quarterback for the Oakland Raiders, the guys like him that can run like those short, immediate routes, you know, like this is the reason why we're, we're seeing Darren Waller be so successful. I think Hunter Renfro can be that at the wide receiver. So when you're getting into the third round, you're looking for players that you know will last, will be around, you know, a few years from now and have that chance to stay on a roster and be producers. And I think Hunter Renfro. Is showing that he can he can be that guy. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, we're getting down to the nitty gritty. We're here. getting down to the nitty gritty. We're at thirty two. We only have five more picks to go, and I'm going to call an audible too. Okay. And I'm going to preemptively roll it. Yeah. And we're going to go with the player that is making his first start this yeah, weekend. Yeah, I was hoping you were going to get to him. We're going to go with Ryan Finley. Yep. Ryan Finley, Ryan Finley um, many of you heard, the Cincinnati Bengals, they benched Andy Dalton. They are going with Ryan Finley. Now, I think this is a... They're taking a chance because they want to see what they have in him. They're going to have a high pick. They're right now projected to have the first overall yeah. pick. Um, and what that means is you're going to have the pick at any player in the draft, and that means a quarterback. You know, Do they want to go with Tua? Do they want to go with Joe Burrow? Or maybe is Ryan Finley the guy? I think... He's going to have, you know, the foreseeable future to figure it out. And again, you're when you get to the third, fourth round in the rookie drafts, I think upside is very important. Um, and Ryan Finley just has that 
chance to fill in and prove that he could be a starting NFL quarterback. And the thing about being a starting NFL quarterback in this league, that means that you are very, very valuable. It doesn't matter if you're Deshaun Watson or uh, Joe Flacco. You have starting viability because you have a very, relatively speaking, safe floor. So Ryan Finley, you know, he's a quarterback, and i got to practice what I preach, right? Yeah, I, and I think he looked, he had very big moments of shine in the preseason. I think he this is why, why he's getting the opportunity at this point in time that he is. He's now had two weeks to prepare going in here as they're coming off the bye. Mm-hmm. I, I like I like the pick. I, I think it's a good rogue pick. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'll go running back here at, uh, at 33 as I yep. have only two picks left right now, and I'm going to go with Darwin Thompson. Okay. And... The, again, how many pieces of the Kansas City Chiefs offense do you act? Kansas City Chiefs offense do you actually want? And I, I think the answer for a lot of people is, well, how many can I get? Yeah, it's, it's like having pieces of cake at a at a birthday party. You kind of want to go back for for more. And having an older Lashawn McCoy and and the questions with Mister Williams really make the the how soon potentially could this be? And I, unknowing a lot about what what this kid can can do and having moments where he's looked atrociously awful, but mm-hmm. having moments where he's looked good, I, I think having the upside is kind of nice. Yeah, I mean, I think the Kansas City Chiefs kind of remind me of what the Green Bay Packers have been during Aaron Rodgers' career in the sense that we've said like, oh, well, if they have a running back, they're going to be set and forget like elite and I think for the Kansas City Chiefs right now, they're kind of having like this revolving door with LaShawn McCoy, Damian Williams, Daryl Williams, and maybe even Darwin Thompson. If one of them does get handed the keys to the the Ferrari here, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're gonna be incredibly valuable. Darwin Thompson, I'm I'm not sold on, just to be completely blunt. I wouldn't have picked him here. I think there's risk because he's a six round draft pick, and I think he hasn't gotten on the field with all those question marks ahead of him. So I wonder, you know, when is that going to come? And it sounds like the reason why it hasn't happened is because he can't pass block. And that's for some quarterbacks or for some teams, that's incredibly important. And especially for an Andy Reid offense, because you have Patrick Mahomes and that's, that is your team. That is your offense. So you can't afford to lose them. So if you can't pass block, you aren't going to play. So it's not surprising that he hasn't played yet. So I get it. I wouldn't make the pick, but I, I get wanting to roll that dice because at the end of the day, if you guess right with that running back for the Chiefs offense, you're going to have a game changer. Yep. All right, three picks left, and I only have two more. So for my second to last one, I'm going to keep it rolling with a running back, and I'm going to go with Damian Harris. Yeah. This is, again, just betting on the future. Um, I believe both James White and Rex Burkett are free agents. You know, the running back situation in New England is always a dicey one, but I think Damian Harris could be the protege to stepping in for that receiver running back to spill in for Sonny Michelle. Um, so again, this he hasn't done much this year. I think he's only played a handful of snaps. This is betting towards the future and betting on an offense that I think has made a transition to wanting to lean more on its running backs and Damian Harris eventually having a long-term spot in it yeah you've got to like the upside to it and again anything that you it typically would anything you put in a bill belichick offense turns to gold for the most part and having that upside and understanding those different pieces you've got to feel excited about Mm -hmm. the opportunity 
All right, so we are down to our last two picks each. Yep. Um, I know we've both got, I think, I, four or five guys. I've got still in five our... guys that haven't been picked yet. I think this becomes the harder piece is every part of me says, hey, man, like you got to go take a running back here. Mm-hmm. Or there's, I have a tight end that's sitting on the board. I'm not going to do either of them. I'm oh. going to take a wide receiver here. Okay. And I'm going to take a wide receiver for a team that's more than likely going to have a quarter, brand-new quarterback next year. And I'm going to take Preston Williams. The the upside to what this kid brings in with what he's doing with a Ryan Fitzpatrick and a Josh Rosen is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. He, at the current moment, is a very boomer bust in what's being put on. But it's a young kid. It's mm-hmm. a kid that has the ability to grow with more than likely what's going to be a brand new quarterback and potentially Tua or, or the kid from Oregon. This could be fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, for Preston Williams, right now, he is fourth in, among rookies in receiving yards. He's, you know, he's, I think, actually tied for first in total receptions as well. The only thing, the only thing that concerns me and that, it, it doesn't even concern me, he tore his ACL. Yeah. And he's out for the rest of the year. He's an undrafted rookie. And at the end of the day, like, as you do, like, fan, or as you do Dynasty and you realize... You know, life isn't fair, and first-round picks, second-round picks, third-round picks are going to get a lot more options to shine than people mm-hmm. that went in the 6th, 7th, or even undrafted. So the what I'm saying is, like, the deck was already stacked against Preston Williams to begin with, and now he unfortunately tore his ACL. Um, so that's just, it's very shitty because we see this happen time and time again that, yeah. you know, it just, the it doesn't work for him. And because of that, because of that unfortunate injury, he just doesn't have a chance now to show that... He's someone that the Miami Dolphins can see for the foreseeable future. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be out of the league next year, but it just he's missing out on a, a very important development time that when you're a late-round draft pick, when you're an undrafted player, you need to capitalize. Yep. And he doesn't have that opportunity anymore. Yep. So, again, he, he's been amazing. Yep. If he didn't tear his ACL, I would have probably taken him five picks sooner. But I'm just concerned that because he's not going to have that opportunity yep. now, he's gonna get he's gonna fall by the wayside yeah, I, every every piece is relevant you hope that uh, you go with the the super bad quote people don't forget you know mm-hmm. and, and you hope that it becomes relevant oh, speaking of irrelevancy <laughs> you have mr irrelevant in our small little draft here at pick 36 the, the pressure yeah because there's so many options i want to go with and so many different players i want to take and i almost just want to go with my Irrelevant. <laughs> and I'm going to do it. You're going to do it? I'm going to go with, I just like him almost to a rational level, level, B.C. Johnson. Ola B.C. Johnson. Ola B.C. Johnson, wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, honestly, a lot of this is on their track record. They have shown that they can develop these mid-round wide receivers, Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, on a rather you know consistent level. And B.C. Johnson, as a rookie, He's actually producing that I think, you know, in an offense, we wouldn't expect a rookie to produce in. Um, So, again, this is kind of a shot in the dark. You know, there's a few other guys that I would consider here. But at the end of the day, you know, Dynasty is about living your dream, rolling your dice, throwing the cards on the table, and believing in what you believe in. I want to roll the dice on B.C. Johnson. Yeah, and B.C. Johnson got got a very—you talk about Preston Williams having a bad break. 
Mm-hmm. Chad Beebe, who was slated to be their slot receiver. He was everyone's darling. Yep, I I, I was an owner for him uh-huh. that way. And he ended up getting himself injured, and it's the hard part about what this league is, but you're talking about, again, a guy that comes in, capitalizes on an opportunity, and now he's he's moving himself into, into a draft board and making a name for himself. It's hard to argue against this, and it's just fun to say Ola BC. <laughs> Very fun. So... Inevitably, there's players we miss, players yeah. we forgot. But if there's one guy that you had that you were like, he'd be my next guy, or oh, I really wish I got him in, who's your guy? Uh, Raquel Armstead, the, okay. the running back for Jacksonville. Again, mm-hmm. just like in a in a Daryl Henderson piece, he's he's shown competency coming in in a spell like format. He's maximizes opportunities. And he's proven that given the opportunity potentially for more workload, he could potentially do the same things that the guy playing in front of him can do. You? I'm going to cheat and say two. Now you get one. (laughs) I understand it's your podcast, your league. You get one. All right. I'm going to go with... All right, I called an audible mid-internal thought. I was gonna go with Miles Boykin, but I'm gonna go with Jay Sternberger. Way to sneak, way to sneak the other uh, <laughs> like piece that? in there. You like that? You cheating whore. You know <laughs> that's just my style. But Jay Sternberger, again, this is just betting on the situation, the future. You know, pass catchers in this Green Bay offense are valuable, okay. and unfortunately, not many of them right now, outside of Devontae Adams, are living up to the hype. And you know, Jimmy Graham is. I think a ghost, Jimmy Ghost at this point. Can we call him that maybe? He's he's still showing stuff, but he's not he's not the Jimmy Graham of five years ago. I would say imagine if Jimmy Graham was five years ago. And oh, I, I, I don't want to. Let's let's yeah, not as, imagine as, that. As Bears fans, it's not pretty no, to think about. But I think Jay Sternberger, there's there's reason to be optimistic yeah. here. And he could be a guy that could really produce with Aaron Rodgers. Um, I believe he got activated from IR or from the pup list or whatever yep. the, the fuck. So who knows? He could be a potential game changer to watch as the season progresses and you know closes to the finish line. But again, it's when you get to the end of this the rookie drafts, you know, in the third and fourth round, you are betting on situation and upside and just rolling the dice on what you think could happen. Yeah. Because again, a lot of these third, fourth, you know, undrafted players are not gonna work out. But you gotta bet on you're betting on the possibility yeah. here. And for Jay Sternberger you know, if there's a five percent chance that he becomes Aaron Rodgers' like number one tight end next year, it's, it's that's five percent nice to live on. Uh huh, for sure. Um, all right, so the rookie draft, you know, the rookie redraft is in the books. Yeah, at least phase one of it. Potentially, but, maybe look at coming back at season's end and seeing if anything does change or stocks increase or decrease would be another fun yeah i think this is something we'll definitely monitor i mean potentially in the off season then even again next year because you know for a lot of these players you know for practically all of them except for maybe kyler murray and josh jacobs you know values are going to change considerably this is you know it's it's a marathon not a sprint in dynasty and it's it's all about the long-term you know viability and I'm excited. Should be a lot of fun. Again, the, the, the season's coming to a close. It's going to be interesting to see if any of these pieces get moved. Um, but this is something to build the future on. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, one thing that does, you know, I don't know about you, but there's still, like, another 5 to 10 white or rookies that really interest me. Um, and a lot of them are going to flame out and not work. But some of them actually are going to prove to be, you know, something. Yeah. So it's just rookies are... 
rookies are deadly. They'll, they'll get yeah. you in trouble trouble because they're going to be players that you're going to live on, live and die with, and a lot of them you're going to die with. Yeah. But it only takes one to live with, and you're going to be hook, line, and sinker. It's so much fun. And you know, and I, I, all I think about when we talk about rookies is the 2020 draft and how Sam is somewhere in the depths of Chicago looking at draft picks and pondering his future. And it's, it's not a bad future to look at, but uh, only time will tell. Mm-hmm. Only time will tell indeed. Um, this podcast went way longer than I thought, but you know, hey, we did the surprise podcast yep. and hopefully you guys enjoyed it and enjoyed us being in the same room and yeah, maybe same. being a little more flexible thank you jameson for being a sponsor of this and we can't forget our second sponsor avocados by mexico um as i believe it's time to go get dinner let's do some mexican everyone brother have a great weekend and live your dreams or something else cheesy i don't know what i'm doing bye